Hey everybody, this is Powerful Brandon here, and you are listening to Comics Paradox, the podcast in which we talk about alternate tales and takes of different characters and stories that we may already know and love, such as DC's Elseworlds and Marvel's What Ifs, as well as different story arcs and storylines from uh, any number of publishers, really. Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Uh, and uh, joining me tonight, we have a couple of fine fellows as usual. Uh, first up, we have Mr. Leo Pond. Oh, ho, hi, hi. Hey, Leo, how you doing, buddy? Doing okay. Uh, this is going to be, uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Wow. Way to sound very convincing. Uh, and last but certainly not least, uh, our good friend, Justin the Coop Cooper. Hey, Justin, how's it going, bud? Good. Good. Uh, it's it's uh, good to be uh, talking about this story again. Yeah, I know. We, we had a little bit of a space between and no i'm not making a goddamn dave matthews band reference uh then you may live <laughs> yeah for <laughs> real like, oh, just kick my own ass uh, what's wrong with dave matthews what's right with him is ants marching really about ants marching it's not for us to decide dave matthews is a genius <laughs> but, uh, uh, just, just off topic like he, he he used to play in hartford for a while and it was like you knew he was going to play because, like, the traffic. Yep. Oh, my God. It got so bad. Yeah, and you knew not to go anywhere near them because that was the group that never went out anywhere. So when they would go to Dave Matthews concerts in their khakis and bucket hats and all that, yeah. they would be the ones who are constantly getting pulled out in ambulances. So I got absolutely fed up with that stupid crowd. Yeah. Well, I've never been a beer before. You know, it's oh, like, oh, calm God. down. <laughs> And it was always, uh, I don't know what, what it's called now, but uh, back then it was the Meadows. It was yeah, the Meadows outside music. Outside venue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. The Meadows. <laughs> yeah, now I think it's like the CT now Meadows or something. Yeah. Everything yeah, we, changes. Yeah. Well, we get the same thing here in Massachusetts, man. Like it was it was Great Woods and it was the Tweeter Center and uh, Good I think Woods. Like the, the Xfinity mm -hmm. fucking arena. I don't fucking know. Like they, they change it like every eight years. It's. It's ridiculous. It's it, it's basically turned into like the adopt a highway of fucking venues yeah. around here. <laughs> but uh, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, today uh, we're segue. we're, <laughs> we're going to be talking about the uh, the second part of the DC Elseworlds JLA: The Secret Society of Superheroes, uh, written by Howard Chaikin and David Tishman. Um, when when last we we left. Uh, we saw at the end of book one that uh, Bruce and agent Bruce Wayne, FBI agent Bruce Wayne was about to enter the uh, inner sanctum of 
the this secret society of superheroes through their uh, subway entrance uh, that you have to like push certain tiles on and what have you to get in. Uh, and you know that's when we we come to you know the the always fun to be concluded in the very final panel at the bottom of the last page. Uh, and coming into book two, we see that Lois and Bruce have made their way in and they are witnessing young Bart who has been brought there by Wally uh, making the acquaintance of the other members of the secret society, that being Superman, Wonder Woman, Hawkwoman, Plastic Man, Metamorpho, Green Lantern, and the Atom. Um, I do, I do think it's funny that th in this first splash page, the the very first page, uh, we see that Bruce and Lois are you know looking in on them. They look like they are fucking four feet away. Yeah, from right. The superheroes. <laughs> Like the perspective on this is ridiculous, um, but yeah. So, aged Superman would probably not be able to hear them. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, there is mention here. Um, you know, they're they're talking, and uh, Bruce and Lois are just like listening, absorbing, kind of incredulously and with a little bit of terror uh, as to what's going on. And these guys are explaining to to Bart what the deal is down there. He's like, oh, you know, Green Lantern, who's uh Kyle Rayner in this, it seems. And that's what is, I was thinking. Yeah. He is a POS man. He's a real piece of work. And he's trying to they're trying to get the kid in. He's like, oh, it's like one big video game down here, except we always win. And uh they say, let's give him a signing bonus. And they give him a uh, a little badge that has a, a stylized K on it. It's a, it's a golden circle with a white backing and a, and a black K on it. And um, it's made of a metal known, known as Amazonium, and it allows them to be completely invisible to the public. Uh, and, you know, they, he's told when a current is run through it, it absorbs the visible spectrum. And Wonder Woman says, I used to have an invisible airplane made of Amazonium. And Superman explains, she and I stripped the plane to use the metal in these devices. So, you know, and of course, Bart is holding the thing and he's just thinking about how he could sneak into like the girl's locker room. <laughs> it is literally like the thought bubble of over his head. It's, it's all visual. It's no words. It's just him sneaking in as he's holding it over three panels. And then Wonder Woman says, this is serious technology. Not some way for you to sneak into the girl's locker room. And part of me is like, what? Me? <laughs> Never. Um, and you know, they they're they're saying, like, hey, let's get you suited up, kid. And they're uh you know, they they're trying, you know, trying to get the kid excited about what he's seeing, what's going on. And uh Metamorpho is standing by Clark and he's just like, Hey, what's up, Clark? And he's thinking to himself, he's like, Lois? And then he looks at Metamorphic and says, I, I thought I smelled something. Mm. Like, well, unlike you, I always get a little gamey after a workout. To which Superman's reply is, right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I do I do appreciate the very next panel on the next page. Uh, Lois and, and Bruce, she's like, for a minute there, I figured we were dead. Next time, you might want to cut down on the perfume. <laughs> which I mean, didn't hear them at all, but smell Lois's perfume. That's not the way I would have thought he would have noticed them, but you know, it's all good. Well, I 
I don't want to jump ahead, but he's seemed like he's been not really stalking her, but you know, definitely admiring her from afar. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's he's not being creepy about it. He just, you know, he he does he admires her work and he admires her as a person. Um it's you know there's no romantic thing there especially because superman in this is clearly considerably older than than she is uh but they they start making their way through what looks like a a trophy room you know or a memorial room of some kind and you know they see all kinds of different like alien remains or what have you and then they see you know different technology we see superman's rocket that brought him to earth and then lois is like uh you should see this and i mean right now and that's when we see that they're looking at the memorialized costume for thomas wayne aka the batman and uh as it turns say it out say it again the batman is a <laughs> children's character who's <laughs> known as a very strong gentleman who fights crime nocturnally and, uh, so yeah he uh you know bruce is just like what the hell and they open up the uh the case and he gets closer to the costume and, and bruce is muttering to himself he says it still smells cool and, you know bruce and, and Lois is just like bruce are you okay I, I don't know how to deal with like feeling so he's like no no it's not all right <laughs> so snap out of it i guess okay take your time I'll, I'll just wait for the alien to find us and kill us i suppose and uh you know they you know bruce is just kind of like you know let's let's do something i'm I'm tired of just being a viewer and a voyeur we're, we're gonna we're gonna turn this mother out and you know they walk out with him at least grim determination for what we have no idea He's pissed. What you, yeah. What yeah. do you What do you guys think about about that? I think it's awesome. Uh, just real quick, just to back up a panel, that uh, creature in the far left. Do you think that's an oversized triple? Or, or the Shaggy triple? Man, or something? You know, it's Captain like, Caveman it curled up be. in a ball. That's who it is. Cavey. <laughs> Captain Caveman. <laughs> 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 Oh man, it's but, uh, this is this is like a a total foreshadowing thing too because it's like they're intentionally not showing us everything that's happening so they don't have to explain how anything happens down the road. Kind of yes. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll be like, oh, of course he had time to do that. So it's it's kind of like a foreshadowing way yeah. to do things. Like he just leaves in a huff because we don't know from like what's the time frame from when he saw that to when he left right it looks instant but it's not that's true that is very true and he um, he, he took the suit with him right uh yeah. he it looks mm, like it's out of the out of the um no age. i don't think he did cuz he's I mean, holding no no ben, because ben, lois ben, is ben, lois ben. is standing in front of it right oh, there yeah. in the last yep. panel it's still in the it's still in its case yeah. Now that's a trope that they've used before where his father was the Batman. Yes. Uh John John Byrne did that in the untold story of the Batman. So he did that um it was a Halloween costume that he had and that's kind of where he got the idea 
but that is a total retcon. Yeah, that's uh, I don't like that one bit. <laughs> Not at all. No, thank you. Well, I know, I know you're already a huge fan of uh, John Byrne changing things up and all that. So, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't mind John Byrne, you know, doing things that make sense and serve the story and characters, but that is, nah, I can't get behind that at all. Yeah, it was it was a little wacky, but it, I mean, it's a small it's a small story that I don't believe is even canonical, but um, it, it's uh, th- it was actually released in like a a paperback book, like a oh, like a digest size book. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Well, at um, least it's better than him going crazy and killing Alfred. Yeah, why did that, that... Is also true? What did that happen? Yeah, Thomas Wayne. That's uh, and, that's a Tom King run. That's the, the fucking Thomas Wayne from fucking Flash. Technically, that wasn't him. It just Thomas Wayne led to him. No, it's not Flashpoint Batman. It's not him. It's it's uh, it's technically not Flashpoint. Uh, technically, okay. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, they're the same person, but that's not the same. Like Thomas Wayne in Flashpoint became Batman and all that. It's not like he's in a different universe and stuff. So it's it's just a different character, Thomas Wayne. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's that's the rebirth story that uh, Leo's talking about. And I want to say that was like issue 80 or 85 of Batman. Hmm. Sounds yeah, enticing. Yeah, he, he killed him in front of uh, Damien. I thought that was Bane that did it. Might have been Bane. Yeah, because I think hmm. Bane did it. But, um, you know, it, it's weird, too, because they have one of those like Wolverine Lobo moments, too, at the end. I will break down the pit, butler. And they're like, all right, who wins? And then like who comes up and stuff. And you're like, all right, what happened? You know, so it was very rushed at the end. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> we have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. From horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet Films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, 
the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Yeah, but he tried it was, to serve me tea. He knows that tannic acid neutralizes the toxins in my system. <laughs> uh, but it was, uh, I, I don't know if it was Thomas Wayne's idea, but it was Thomas Wayne and oh, Bane yeah. were, were, were teamed up at the time. Yeah, everything that led up to it was amazing. And then it just drops off a ledge and you're like, what the hell happened? <laughs> Speaking of dropping off a ledge, we come to see the Phantom Zone where people have been, quote, disappeared over many decades. Great segue. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Thanks. Somebody had to fucking do one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm like, I'm just looking for my opening. Like, stop talking about Batman. Stop talking about Batman. Stop talking about Batman. All right, good. Great. Falling off ledges. The Phantom Zone. <laughs> Um, Phantom Stranger. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Phantom, Phantom Stranger works with Batman. Shit. <laughs> uh, I think I but yeah, so here. we we come to we come to the Phantom Zone where, uh, you know, green valleys and and pastures and all kinds of people who have been sent there over the years by the secret society have formed a a community of sorts. And the latest person that we saw in Book One having been sent there for whatever crimes or, or transgressions he may have committed is very much in denial for, for a good portion of it. And, uh, you know, he's he's finally kind of listening to the people that are there. Like, hey, there's no way out. You should just come back. Be part of be part of what we're building here. Get a chance to, like, make up for all the bad stuff you did. You know, come come with us. What's your name? He's like, oh, <laughs> here's, the, here's the best. My, the old guy was like, my name is Joe Chill. Maybe you've heard of me. <laughs> and uh, I think we can, you know, he's like, he says, how long have you been stuck here? Like 30 years last January. So seems the reason Joe Chill was thrown in here was because he is the one who murdered Thomas Wayne. And the secret society, rather than letting the justice system prevail, they, they, they threw him in, in Kryptonian fucking time out that's that's mm-hmm. always fun um you know and we see that john jones he's he's very much like a like a, a, a i want to say spiritual leader but certainly like a morale leader for uh for the folks that have, have been you know living here in the phantom zone and the guy who showed up he, uh mr pelicanos uh, he's just like oh, I've, I've died and gone to hippie heaven Ugh. <laughs> like you know, he's seeing, he's like, he's getting like a little bit of a Jonestown vibe, but uh, quite clearly these people have been trying to make the best of an incredibly weird and bad situation. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's what we get. We get two pages that him kind of coming to terms with the fact he's going to be there for a while. He may as well just join. And uh, we, we cut back from that point to, uh, to Bruce Wayne uh, meeting, with Alfred Pennyworth uh, and being told by the nurse pushing him in his wheelchair that he just got off dialysis and uh, Alfred, he, he bends down to him and he's just like, I, I need your help. My father, did, did you know him to wear uh, any sort of outfit like, like a giant bat? 
and that's when Alfred starts like kind of very, very creakily getting out. Like, can't tell anyone about my costume, Alfred. Please, Alfred, it's important. Come closer. And then we see that he whispers something into Bruce's ear. And uh, Bruce says, you know, thanks, Alfred. As always, you've been a great help. Stay well, and I'll see you soon. And the last thing that Alfred says as he's being wheeled away in that same, like, creaky whisper is, criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot. Which, uh, it's a Batman thing. And we're not going to fucking jump into it, all right? It's just it's a Batman thing, all right? If you want to know more about it, check out the Dork Knight podcast, okay? <laughs> fucking love talking about Batman shit over there. All day, all night, fucking Batmania Central. Anywho, going back to whatever the newspaper is that Lois and Perry White work for, I don't even I don't even think I caught the the name of it. Um, let's call it, it the Midnight Star. I'll call it the Daily Star because yeah, that something was like that. That was actually the name of the Metropolitan newspaper that Superman first started working for when he debuted in Action Comics, and it eventually was turned into the Daily Planet. Um, but yeah, so let's call it the Daily Star and. You know, Perry's just like, oh, you, you know, this this article is brilliant. And Lois is like, oh, the sun is brilliant. I'm just very talented, Perry. And like, you know, try not to break that arm, patting yourself on the back there, Lo. And it's it's just you know, them talking about the the stories and what what she's been working on. And hey, you know, why don't you let me know what's going on with this that FBI guy Wayne and. Yada yada yada, and she, you know she's just like, oh, don't worry about it. Uh, you you got your story, so just print that. And she's just like, you know, why didn't I mention Bruce's father? Why should I care about protecting him? Gee, I don't, I don't know why. Why would she care about that gang? What do, what do you think? Oh yeah, <laughs> somebody liked Bruce. And um, we we see that Green Lantern. Flash and the newly minted yellow suited Bart as you know, assuming to be Kid Flash are out on patrol and uh, they go after some kids who are clearly like robbing a, a, a truck full of uh, electronics and what have you and they're talking about like, oh I can pay off my student loans and you know, kind of like real world stuff, like why somebody would be doing that. They're desperate to just keep their heads above water. And uh, they just they take these kids out, and you know that we'll just we'll we'll leave them here, and we're not gonna waste a flick of the button for the Phantom Zone for these chumps. It's it's like oh petty misdemeanors, thank God that doesn't get you tossed away for life in the Kryptonian timeout. And, you know, and Bart, you know, he's just caught up in it. He's you know he's just excited to be hanging out with people that have weird powers like him. Imagine being like 13, 14 and having to deal with that all by yourself. Yeah. And just more more stuff going on behind the scenes. Lois and Bruce trying to piece together. Um, you know, it, it's some sort of secret society, you know, aliens and humans working together, using their abilities to help the world. And somehow my father was recruited by them 30 years ago. And uh, Lois is just like, my father was a Mason, but he never wore a cape that I'm aware of. <laughs> Masons can do some weird stuff, I guess. I don't know. And, uh, you know, they, 
he's just like, you know, I'm sorry I got so emotional when I saw my dead father's weird bat costume in that cave, you know? <laughs> She's like, yeah, no, I mean, if ever there's a time to be, like, kind of weirdly emotional, like, I guess that would be it. So, yeah, apology accepted. <laughs> Very pragmatic. And, uh, you know, they, they're, he's trying to find out why the abductions that have been going on and his father's death and this secret society, how they all fit together. Like what it is, uh, like 300 people have disappeared and still like no, no trace of where they they've been taken, who did it or anything like that. Um, just to back up for a second. So just to make note of that number 300, when they were in the phantom zone, they were talking about it was 300 people were brought there, but now the population is 500 from, uh, 200 people have been born within that group of the phantom zone. 512. And uh, 357 are criminals. The others were all born there. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, people have started a community. They started lives. And it stands to reason. I mean, even in the first book, we see John Jones has a kid, you know. It's nice for him because, you know, his whole thing is like his family was destroyed alongside Mars. So kind of pyrrhic victory for him. Like, oh, yeah, I'm stuck in this place, but I have like a connection with people that I, I love and care about and that hasn't been the case for hundreds and hundreds of years. So, you know, good, good for John. That's, that's yeah. great. You know, if he just had some Oreos, he'd be all fucking set. Exactly. <laughs> or as they call them in DC comics, Chacos. <laughs> and, you know, after that, that little back and forth between Bruce and Lois trying to exchange information a bit and, and figure out, like wrap their heads around what the issue is all together. Bart comes home after his little, uh, you know, dalliance with those those uh, costume clowns, and his parents are, you know, convinced he's on drugs. Yeah, they are. Yeah, just he's not paying attention to them because he's just like, you know, his head is spinning, and you know, they're like, "Is it drugs, Bart? It's drugs, isn't it?" And he's like, "Huh? What? What'd you say, man? <laughs> like, you are not helping your case, Bartholomew. <laughs> not at all." He's on that wacky tobacco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at how he moves, so, drags his ass around here. Sure as fuck isn't speed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we, we see Bruce is, uh, he's, he's retiring. Uh, he's decided he's made this decision to stop being an FBI agent. And uh, he's, he's got some stuff he needs to do. And the guy's just like, you know, his superior, why? Oh, you know, old friend of mine, he's, he doesn't have much time left, and I own. And he's like, so, because of a death, an impending death in the family, and you're just going to leave me with a $12,000 lab charge in Quantico? All right, cool, man. Jog on, I suppose. <laughs> like, that's that's pretty much where, where Bruce Wayne leaves it. Like, yeah, sorry about that. I needed to check some stuff, and I... Remembered, I, I work for the government and don't care how much it costs. Deuces. You know, spoken exactly like, you know, an FBI agent who clearly is still loaded because he got a trust fund when his parents were fucking murdered. Yep. There <laughs> you go. Must be nice, Brucey. And uh, we we actually cut to the secret society in their, their sanctum there. Uh, and Green Lantern and Superman are, are kind of you know, nose to nose fighting over whether or not they should, they should actually like reveal themselves to the world yet again. And that 
Superman is accusing him of manipulating the world market for personal gain, which is exactly what we've seen Green Lantern, Flash, and the Atom do through the entirety of this story. They're uh, real. Don't you think that's a little suspect too, there, Brandon? Because it's like Green Lantern is saying he really wants them to expose themselves. Yet he's literally using their powers, like in the atom and all that, to manipulate world markets. That's counterintuitive to his goal. Yes. No one accused him of being a genius. Yeah, that is true. You know, because it's like he's pushing and pushing here, and he's like, oh, we want to go public. It's like, why? That's that's because one thing he's that very, out very dumb. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Yeah. Um, well, you know, they needed to have somebody to, to be the, the counterpoint to superman's you know whole reason for doing this you know to to keep it private and and secret it's not about adulation or recognition and of course that's all this green lantern wants is adulation recognition and what he thinks will come of it large sums of money because people will pay them to be superheroes for some reason or another um well and and you would think that, you know, maybe he's been doing that, obviously, for a means to an end. You know, they're they're doing good, you know. Uh, so they need the money in order to do good. But, you know, they uh, I don't know where the hell I'm going with this. But <laughs> no, I, I, I think you're exactly right, because that's how they had said it in the beginning. You know, that uh, they need to earn a living and, and stuff like that. So that's what they said in the first book. So I, I think you're you're right on with that. But it, it just doesn't make sense because it's like, all right, is he going for the booster gold angle where he's going to try to get endorsements and, you know, things like that? Because it's I mean, it starts out as pretty altruistic. Yeah, um, I think I think likely he's he's got like a becoming a human version of a NASCAR. Yeah. In mind, you know, just just shilling for whomever gives him the most money. Uh, I, I would not be shocked by that. But, you know, as as they're getting more and more heated, uh, Green Lantern says to Superman, the point is maybe it's time to stop expecting us to buy into your mom, the flag and apple pie dream world. To which Superman replies, you may have sucked Wally and Ray into your scheme, but the rest of us. And that's when Wonder Woman chimes in and says, sorry, Cal, but you're on your own as far as I'm concerned. Like, what? His ex-girlfriend. Oh, Oh, man, that's that's a rough hit, huh, bud? In his exact reaction, Diana, <laughs> not you. And uh, you know, <laughs> I do like Hawkwoman's reaction. No one tells me anything. <laughs> yeah, she seems so ambivalent throughout this. She's like, eh. <laughs> you know? she's great though. I, I really like. I liked her because she was like, yeah, you know, we're uh, we're just doing this because it's the thing to do, and there's no need to rock the boat. So. Why don't we get rid of this loudmouth green ring guy? Because he sucks. <laughs> like that's that's been her position like the whole time. <laughs> she, she she really wants to punch Kyle Rayner in his fucking mouth, and uh, I can't say I blame her. He he, he sucks out loud, <laughs> and you know he's he, Superman. Of course, is is getting into the histrionics of it. He's like, I won't let you tarnish all the the memories of the people that we fought for, and you know you know getting there getting rich on their spilled blood and you know Kyle's just like don't force a vote pal you may not like the outcome and of course Kyle is cocky because now they have Bart there and the whole reason that they were pushing for Bart to come in was so that he could be the tiebreaker 
in their favor as you know, they're assuming would be in their favor because Wally's been working them over. And uh, they all turn to this kid and say, you know, Hey, what do you, what do you, how are you going to vote? Sell us now. And Bart kind of freaks out and he does, uh, you know, exactly. And they state, so he does what any teenager in his right mind would do. He runs away and just, <laughs> you see the, Boing. Whoops, whoosh, you know, of lightning. He, he does a Spider Man that says thwip. <laughs> <laughs> it's speed force webbing. <laughs> uh, just real quick on, on the left panel, I, I just love Plastic Man's face. Like, what the hell's going on? Oh, yeah. And he's he's on the public side, and Metamorpho is on the uh, private side. Yes. And um, so it's, it's uh, interesting. Yeah. The hell yeah, come into play. Indubitably. Uh, and as he runs out, <laughs> the, uh, the, the inertia of his slipstream actually like pulls on plastic man and stretches yeah. him out <laughs> and kind of leaves him in a stretched out state for a little while. It's, it's kind of, it turns into silly putty basically. <laughs> and, uh, that's when we, we have Bruce Wayne doing his whole agent Clarice Starling thing, uh, visiting, uh, Edward Nigma, who we had caught in book one. And as he's sitting there talking to him through the glass salt, there's a, a very pale gentleman with some lipstick on and green hair who just keeps laughing maniacally and, you know, s- s- making crude jokes about Bruce Wayne's parents being killed and what have you. And uh, Nigma, he, you know, he's just like <clears throat> saying, you know, Bruce says to him, like, so why am I here? In, in, so, you know, so why am I here in a visiting you way? And Enigma says, be a little more specific, Agent Wayne. By here, do you mean an existential to be or not to be way or here in a visiting me? You know, it's, <laughs> he's just like really playing mind games. And, uh, you know, he says, one visits a Riddler because there's a riddle which one can't wrap one's dogmatic thought processes around. Uh, to which he says, you want the answer bad enough to do something for me? Wayne says, what do you want? says, I may be psychotic and obsessive compulsive, but like I said, that laugh is killing me. I want to be moved to a hyena-free ward, and I want my puzzle books. <laughs> it's like, that's, I get it. <laughs> that would that would drive you batty. And uh, he says to him, so, thank you. And Nigma says, so what's the riddle? And Wayne explains his, his conundrum. He says, a man tries to make the world a better place. He's got rules and codes and a moral structure, but he does all this in secret. No one knows he exists. Why? To which Nigma responds with one word, Mason. <laughs> and Bruce is just like thinking to himself, Mason, that's what Lois said. And that's why my father joined to help people. Secret what's, society. Yeah. What's what, wrong, Agent Wayne? You seem confused. I solve your riddle. It's not my problem if you don't understand the answer. Puzzle books, please. <laughs> uh, just not to get off on a tangent, but real quick, uh, I-, I love how docile, like Joker and Enigma, are here. You know the 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 story of you know uh, what made his Batman's Rogues Gallery was it Batman or or would they exist anyway? Um, and here you see them exist, but they're not as crazy. 
So is Batman making his rogues gallery, you know, even more, you know, crazier? It's all about escalation. Yeah. Come on, man. You've seen Batman Begins. I know you have. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. It's literally like the last scene of the fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> we found this. We found this calling card. It's a Joker card from a deck of cards. So is it a calling card then, or is it just a fucking playing card? Which one is it, Gordon? Make up your mind. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So yeah, um, we we see that Bart is kind of flitting about the planet. He's trying not to stay in one place for too long because he's afraid that the secret society is gonna come after him. Uh, we even see at one point he he sleeps inside the nose of seemingly George Washington on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, when you when you can run up that way, I guess it must be a comfy enough place to stay. Uh, and. Uh, you know, we see that this this gentleman, uh, Mr. Pelicanos, who's in the Phantom Zone, he's still trying to like climb his way up a mountain to see if he can work his way out. And then he he falls, and thankfully, you know, John Jones had come up to try to like talk him down, and he ends up flying and swooping down to uh, save this this guy's life. And he's like, so you know. If you'd like, I'll, I'll take you back to the mountaintop and, and leave you to your task. He's like, no, no, take me back to the village, please. Which admittedly was the right choice, I think. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that you're going to be the guy to figure out how to get out of tw- the, the phantom zone, my dude. Um, and we see that Clark is back in his office uh, as editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet. Uh, an older Jimmy Olsen is coming in with his... Uh, with Clark's receptionist and uh, you know, they're like, we've been buzzing you for forever. Like, you know, five minutes. And he's like, Oh, I must've turned the intercom off. And he's like, what's going on? And he said, a freak hurricane just took out half the Florida orange crop. The market's going crazy. And he's like, so <laughs> So Jimmy's just like, what's that supposed to mean? You've worked here for years. How do we cover the story? And they break it down. He's like, oh, good. So you both know exactly what to do. Exactly. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> and uh, the woman's just like, what was that all about? Jimmy's just like, oh, it must, must be the medication. <laughs> you know, Clark's acting like a real bitch. <laughs> I wonder, do, does his medication need to be like coated with kryptonite or something? <laughs> well, it seems like the needle went into him in the last yeah, one, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah. I, I think normally is, would have to be part of his problem is, you know, this is all, uh, you know, editorialization, but it's likely the fact that because he doesn't use his powers as much as we see in like the regular continuity that the solar radiation that's stored in his cells actually started to degrade his cells because he wasn't, he wasn't emptying the battery enough a lot to let them recharge. Uh, sort of the same thing that Grant Morrison did for All-Star Superman. He he gets too much solar radiation for his cells to absorb, so it starts to break his cells down to the point where he's going to die. And that's likely the same kind of thing happening here because he just kept storing it and not utilizing it to a degree where it would actually like help keep his body from breaking down due to the process. And we we see that he's he's aged a bit and he's able to, you know, get needles piercing his skin and, and has to take heart medication and what have you. It's, it's, it's a different 
different representation of an older Man of Steel, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's not the first one we've seen either, you know? No, no, most certainly not. Um, predating this is uh, Kingdom Come, and before that is uh, was it Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Yep, by Alan Moore. This this Clark Kent in Superman, uh, I, I'm I'll be straightforward. He's a bit of a wet blanket. <laughs> he is he is not like a he is not a particularly like cheerful dude. I will say that, and it, it seems like he's very lonely in this secret society that he is he is in. It, it looks like it's like the only real quote socialization he does at all, which. You know, in a clandestine manner, how is that a life? It's it's not. It seems like he at one point had something going with uh, Wonder Woman, but like she's moved on because she's just not having anything to do with him at this point. And he's a curmudgeon, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and he's so he's so like stringent. He he just he won't deviate from his what he sees as the absolute correct path. And he he's operating fully on his belief that he is absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. And beliefs are, are much trickier than ideas. Superman, as we know him in continuity, I think has very solid ideas that he is able to let ebb and flow with the experiences he has with people. And that informs the ideas that he has, but ideas can are, are, you know, permeable. They can change. And that's a good thing that they're fluid beliefs. However, are usually concrete and people will kill or die for them. And that's exactly the position that we see this Superman in the secret society of superheroes in is he is, he is willing to fight and die for what he feels is the right way to go about helping society. So, you know, it's, it's, it, and that's the thing It's like, it's help, it's helping people, but maybe sometimes people do need like that symbol of hope. They, you know, much like, uh, you know, Bonnie, what is it? Bonnie Tyler. He, people are holding, holding up right here. Yep. And, you know, they, they never got it. In, in this reality, they, they, they got an invisible Kryptonian that that snickers like fucking Muttley in an alley when people are like, how did that happen? <laughs> Good for you, soups. And uh, so there's a nice little Hanna-Barbera reference in the middle of the conversation. Oh, I got you, Muttley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying that for anybody listening. Like, if you, if you don't know, check out check out anything with Dick Dastardly, Wacky Races, Stop the Pigeon, whatever. Stop um, the page. Yogi's <laughs> treasure hunt. <laughs> nothing, like, nothing like a good old-fashioned Civil War cartoon. <laughs> Fucking weird choice to make. Um, but yeah, so we we come across uh, Lois standing outside, and uh, she's she's kind of like, "Where the where the hell is Bruce?" And you know, all of a sudden she goes, "Hey." And you see out of nowhere just a word balloon saying, I figured that'd get your attention. And she's just like, Bruce? Maybe. Since when did you become a comedian? Where the heck are you? Come with me and try to look natural. Like walking with Claude Rains is natural. Uh, For those listening, (laughs) if you're not familiar, Claude Rains is the actor who played 
The Invisible Man in the original yep. movie adaptation of H.G. Wells's The Invisible Man. Uh, the the look is like sunglasses with like ace bandages, gauze wrapped all around his head and hands. That's that's Claude Rains. You, you you've probably seen that imagery come up before. Um, yeah, not and, the guy from Doom Patrol. Yeah, no, not that not that fellow. No, no, not Negative Man. The Invisible Man. <laughs> Matt Bomer. <laughs> yeah, Matt Bomer. And you know she she's just like. And speaking of Claude Rains, are you naked? <laughs> And that's when Bruce finally reveals, like, no, I, I liberated a couple of these invisibility discs before we left the compound. Isn't that evidence in an ongoing federal investigation? You're just mad I didn't steal something for you, too. <laughs> she's like, there's that. And then she full on slaps him. Yep. And then she's like, and that's for pinching my butt. Apparently, he goosed her <laughs> when, when she was like, hey. Uh, and you know, he's just, he's like, remind me to stay on your good side. Yeah. Just stay away from my backside. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, he's, he's saying like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of these, these cryptics. That's, you know, the cryptic order. Uh, and he's like, you know, she's like, I'll know when I'll know it when these cryptics show up unannounced or if you, you know, cause he gives her glasses. I'm sorry. I skipped that. He gives her glasses that allow you to see the people using the Amazonium to, to remain invisible. She says, then I'll know when these cryptics show up unannounced or if you're trying to sneak a peek at me in the shower. <laughs> He's just like, does that filthy mind come with your job or did you start out that way? And look who's talking. Invisible creep goes around pinching innocent women. <laughs> innocent. And then he goes invisible and, and, they, and they kiss. Oh my God. Lois Lane and Bruce Wayne are Falling in love. Oh, that's Aww. great. They definitely nail Lois in this. I'll tell you that much. That is true. Yeah. And so does so does Bruce Wayne. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, Johnny. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we we wild have, we stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we we come back to the Cryptic Order's uh, sanctum, and we see Green Lantern. Plastic Man and Adam sitting around, kind of lamenting, saying like, "Oh, there's a hurricane in Florida, wiped out the entire portfolio." And Adam's just like, "You're saying I'm broke?" <laughs> and uh, you know, we've, we, I think we've got bigger problems. Uh, where's that kid? And you know, Wally's still looking, and you know, Adam's freaking out. He's like, "Oh my god, do you have any idea what college professors make in a year? I'm, I'm fucking destitute." <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on the streets, and uh, yeah, he's also a, a piece of work. Oh yeah, something else for sure. And uh, you know, Plastic Man says, "Tell tell me again, how does our manipulating the market make us any different from the crooks we catch?" As the only cryptic with a rap sheet, I occasionally forget the distinction. And uh, Green Lantern replies, "When we're the good guys, that's all the distinction we need." Plastic man. Oh, thank you very much. Now I remember. (laughs) You know, do you think Superman caused that freak storm? Absolutely. I I I do not doubt that that it was that Superman was the cause. That's part of the reason why he was like, so you know, like he didn't care. Nobody got hurt, but this all the all the oranges they they were destroyed. Yep, and he was gone. He wasn't answering the uh, yep 
the intercom. Been buzzing you for five minutes. Sorry, it's because I was flying at supersonic speeds back here from Florida. What was that? Yep. I said I must have fallen asleep. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and we just we see that uh Bart's dad works in as a well, it looks like he's in the police lab. I mean, it looks like yeah. he's a forensics a forensic police officer for the Central City Police Department. Uh and he's trying to he's trying to tell him about what's been going on. And uh, he says, you can yell at me all you want later. Right now, I need your help. I'm in big trouble. So just shut up, okay? And, he, and we just, it's a silent, small, square panel. And the very next one, you see Mr. Allen saying to his uh, lab techs, <clears throat> excuse me, I need you to handle things around here for the rest of the day. Whatever you say, Barry. I'm taking the afternoon off. Anybody ask where I am? Just tell them I'm spending some quality time with my son. And uh, that's when we see Bruce Wayne saying to himself, good thing I'm in Metropolis because I'd never have the guts to do this in Gotham. And that's uh, when we see what he's up to. All of a sudden, it's not so much a, a jacket with a collared shirt he's, he's wearing. It's uh, some very tight pants with high black boots and... Uh, pouches around his legs and potentially waist and then he pulls some kind of mask over his face and we see a a giant shadow with a, what appears to be like leather wings coming down from the rooftops of metropolis and that's when we get the full view of the batman no swinging, swinging on a line through the streets of metropolis and uh he's he looks he's, awesome yeah, yeah, it does look awesome, and I do appreciate his reaction as he's like swinging down a building for the first time. It's simply, yeah, <laughs> like you know, just turning into Mario from Nintendo sixty four. I, I just wanted to point out man. how huge it was to have Barry Allen just go with his son, and just believe his son. That never happens. You know, it's always like, oh, you're being this. I'm going to commit you or or, or you're, you're not telling the truth or something's going on. You're on drugs. The yeah, fact that he believed him like was huge. Yeah. yeah, well, the fact, you know, the kid really spoke up to his father for the first time, like straight up. Yeah. And looked him in the eye and said, I'm in big trouble. You know, the fact that first and foremost, like he looked at that's a father looking at his kid. He's like, my kid is coming to me telling me that he's in trouble. Like. What recourse do you have there? Yeah. You do what you can to help your kid. You listen to them, and clearly they're scared. You know, and he took that seriously. You know, he he's Barry Allen. He's a he's a forensic police officer. I mean, follow the fucking clues, man. He he probably was able to really piece a lot of stuff together after Bart said something to him. He's like, oh, that would explain the strangeness at home and the the seeming disconnect between he and he and I. There you go. You know, that's a little wacky tobacco. <laughs> it's it's it could be two things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe Bart contains multitudes. We don't know, man. <laughs> Bart, <laughs> why you little? And uh, you know, Batman is is debuting in Metropolis here, and he lands on a gargoyle that then immediately proceeds to break up the building and crash to the sidewalk. He's like, oh man. Thank God this place shuts down to midnight. <laughs> I could have gotten someone killed. <laughs> <laughs> you think, Batsy? 
Um, and that's when we, we come to uh, Superman flying invisibly through uh, the skies of Metropolis. And he is attacked by Green Lantern, the Atom, and Plastic Man. And they're just going at it. And it's the first salvo of the Cryptic Order Civil War. Mm-hmm. They're just ter- you know they they've crashed in the middle of a street metropolis and they're they're trying to take one another out, but nobody else can see what's happening. It's just seemingly appearing out of nowhere. All this damage and destruction, and uh, it, you know, imagine the shock of that. Just all of a sudden, like craters, and you might even hear the voices, <laughs> but not not being able to like get a bead on on what actually is occurring. That. That'd be wholly frightening. And uh, to make matters worse or better, I, decide for yourself. Uh, we get the Flash, Hawkwoman, Metamorpho, and Wonder Woman showing up to join the fray. And the amount of destruction all throughout the area just increases like fivefold easily. Uh, and I've I noticed like, the craziest part about this whole thing is like, even with those who didn't want to go public or whatever, they're all just fighting each other and tearing up the street and lampposts and cars and stuff like that. No one in the cryptic order is trying to keep any public person there, like any civilian out of harm's way. Yep. They are focused solely on themselves as the enemies and not doing the thing that the cryptic order was started for altogether to protect people, to help them, to make them feel safe, whether they realize it or not. And, uh, you know, we, we see, we see some interesting, you know, team ups or, or rivalries, uh, you know, metamorpho versus plastic man and then Hawkwoman versus the atom, which weird fight. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah. The, the plastic man metamorpho one is really cool. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, and Wonder Woman and the Flash are kind of going at going at it towards one another. And um, you know, she's like, you know, you you're gonna run you're gonna run out of rocks to throw at me, Barry. <laughs> He's just like, sorry, but I've made my bed, even if I'm not going to sleep well in it. <laughs> He's just doing his best to. He's like, I'm slippery, ain't I, with Diana? <laughs> Good luck catching me. And. That's when uh, we we come to Barry and Bart sitting in a diner, and uh, there's a, a news report on the television explaining that there's some poltergeist in Metropolis, and what's <laughs> going on remains unclear. The, but the police are stymied, and Bart's they just like, "That's the them." From- what's that? <laughs> they moved the bodies, but not the headstones. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, he, uh, Barry says, I'm like, why can't we see them? Then he's, I told you invisibility discs. He's like, you're, you're not kidding. Are you? And he's like, dad. Okay. Okay. We don't do something. Green Lantern will kill everybody, but it's a three hour drive to Metropolis. No need to drive when you're with me, dad. Remember when we used to play piggyback, but I'm your father, Bart, a grown man. (laughs) Then yeah, this just in. It appears that a masked and caped lunatic has arrived on the scene. The police have no idea what any of this is about, and... And I know I'm going to regret this. Cool, grab your jacket, Dad. We are out of here. So apparently Bart is going to just carry his pops to Metropolis. Um, interesting, because 
the speed force would most certainly have to come into play there because the faster an object moves, the heavier it becomes. <laughs> and uh, Bart's like 13, maybe 14. <laughs> this kid looks like he'd have a hard time lifting up a, a fucking milk crate, <laughs> you know? Um, and we see that, that Batman is out there kind of peeping out what, what these, uh, what the cryptic order is doing. He has those goggles in his, his cowl so he can see them. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no, he can see there's no banter between them. There's no joy in the combat. And these were allies who became adversaries and there's going to be hell to pay for everyone all around. And he shows up. In, the, in his bat costume and Superman's first reaction was Thomas? <laughs> He's, he saw a ghost. Looks like the citizens of Metropolis aren't the only ones seeing Poltergeist today, huh? Great Caesar's ghost. <laughs> great, <laughs> great Krypton! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Batman then says, I'm betting this gizmo will short-circuit your Im- invisibility discs. I think it's time the rest of the world got to see what I'm seeing. And uh, that's when he negates the Amazonium and all of a sudden everyone can see the cryptic order. And they're just like, no, Superman's freaking out. And Greenland's is like, great, they can see us, whatever. Now well, he's distracted, take out Clark. And uh, he, he goes and, you know, slams right into him, kicks him with a, with a big old green energy stanky boot on his right foot. And so Clark- we kicking the bum? <laughs> it's a little kick in the bum and uh he he goes he goes flying and uh lois is about to get hit by a, a careening car that was just tossed aside like nothing and uh bart shows up in his kid flash outfit and, and actually saves lois's life and uh he apologizes he's like i'm sorry i didn't mean to startle you but i thought you could use a hand and uh you know he's standing there with batman and lois and uh she's just like what looking at bruce what is that outfit you're wearing <laughs> he's just like do you like it she gives him a kiss on the cheek and he just thinks to himself she likes it <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the car right chicks dig the car <laughs> yeah, it's a very batman forever moment absolutely i'm surprised he doesn't have a fucking credit card on him and uh yeah that's bart shows up and saying to green lantern you know we, we gotta stop this you you, you can't do this and Green Lantern says, I don't think so. And that's when you hear, get the hell away from my son. <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. love, I love Kyle's reaction to, to Barry Allen being there. He's like, you brought your father along to fight your battles? He goes, I'm also a police officer. What's your excuse? <laughs> and uh, Wally, Wally comes up. And he's like, just back off, Kyle. And he, uh, he gives him the old you know flick with a, an energy hand. Bing! He says, shut the hell up, Wally. This is business. And he straight up goes to murder Bart with a, a full concentrated energy beam from the ring. And at the last second, Wally runs in front of him and takes the full brunt of it in his like upper right shoulder chest area. And yeah, we, uh, we, we talk about what's different than the normal you know, a lot on this show. And this is something where it's like green lanterns. One of their main tenets and their laws is that they are unable to use their deadly force. They're not even allowed to like their rings will not work. And that was amended in 
maybe 2014 or something like that to to be to anyone except for the Sinestro Corps. Maybe 2011. I don't know, something like that. But um, so he should not be able to even kill the Flash. And the first time I read this, I was surprised because I'm like, it didn't even look like he killed him. It looked like he hit him in the shoulder. Yeah, but, you know, who's to say that this Green Lantern isn't using the ring that was reforged by Ganthet because some other Green Lantern went crazy and went into the battery and they or had a power re- ring, you know, from the uh, hmm. Injustice, you know, something like that. The Injustice Society. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's so much that because, like, he it doesn't like seemingly have like Balthoom stuck in his head whispering yeah. like shit to him or what have you but I, I i think it's you know the way around it is say like oh the way that it lines up with real continuity like if you look at it as like modern um the shift is you know superman touched down in 1938 and this has been the case for decades with the with the cryptic order this is kyle rayner i mean we know that kyle rayner was given a ring by ganthet after hal jordan went nuts and took out the green lantern core and destroyed Oa after going into the power battery and the ring that was his, that he crushed before he went in Ganthet being the sole surviving guardian, picked it up, fused it back together quickly and chose Kyle Rayner on earth to be the new and now only green lantern. The interesting thing about when Ganthet picked up that ring though, was he just, he infused it with the power of, of, of will the green lanterns power with none of the built-in fail-safes and impurities, um, which was great because he didn't need to like charge it every 24 hours to see the oath. He could, he, you know, he could do whatever he wanted to for as long as he wanted. How, but at the same time, it didn't have the access to like all the, you know, galaxy and universe-wide information that was stored on Oa that was connected to the central power battery nor could it automatically translate any known language to uh, English for him because that's what he understood, English or Spanish, because Kyle Rayner is uh, bilingual. Um, so Odin didn't whisper into it, uh, whoever wears this ring must be worthy. <laughs> no, unfortunately, uh, he, he didn't stop by Oa that day. <laughs> oh, nuts. Um, like, oh, somebody help me up. I'm a little Thor. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I dub this the episode of many rim shots. <laughs> <laughs> the rim shot episode. <laughs> and uh yeah, so we we see that stuff's going down uh in Adam once he sees that the flash uh Wally that is uh has been zapped by Kyle, he's just like, "Oh man, with with throbs cr- throwing cops throwing lead like rice at a wedding." The safest play for me is right. And he's like hiding behind a, a soda can. <laughs> we just see Hawkwoman just roll right up on him. He's he's in shrunken size as he's been for a good portion of this story. And she just goes thwomp and squishes him. You see the, the blood and guts like without details squared out from under her foot. And she just goes worm. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's the end for him at any rate. Uh, and we, we come to plastic man in, in metamorpho and, and this is really interesting. Um, I don't think they necessarily touched upon it too much in this story, but part of the whole thing with metamorpho was he actually like, couldn't touch people for a very long time. Like his, his touch was poison. Um, it was, it, it was part of the curse of, of what had been placed upon him. 
uh, and also part of Simon Stegg's plan to try to get, um, was it Rex Tyler? No, Rex, Rex Mason, Rex Mason. Thank you. Uh, Rex Mason. He was, you know, he's an archeologist and he was also like romantically involved with Simon Stegg's daughter and Simon Stegg did not like that. So he, he set him up to get this curse. And it turns out like, you know, it's the curse was like bad and good. Like it destroyed his normal life, but it also gave him the chance to actually like be a hero. And if you, if you're unfamiliar with Metamorpho, especially like some of the, the older stuff that really cemented him as a, as a character, uh, I, I do recommend stuff like Batman and the outsiders. Uh, those are, those are really great stories from, from the, what was it? The eighties was Batman and the outsiders. I think, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, probably early eighties. Yeah. Um, those are, those are really, those are really good stories. Um, and I always, I always got a kick at not so much out of Batman, but like the other characters within it, it was, it was really, yeah. Black lightning. I think Geoforce was in that. Geoforce for sure. Yeah. He was, um, the, the man of iron. Yeah. And it was just very, very cool. Um, a lot of, I mean, they've done a couple different volumes of that series over the years. They've revisited, like started it up again, but, uh, even, even like some of the newer ones that they did where they were setting it up as like justice league of America was clearly Batman and the outsiders for, for a while there. And in DC comics, a few years back, Young Justice um, just had a whole season of The Outsiders with uh, led by Beast Boy. Yeah, they, there you go. I mean, it's an it's an interesting group, and it it you know it it kind of falls into that like group of they're outsiders because they're people who work outside of the normal like the the normal um, lines that they they designate for themselves as heroes. And he's like, listen, you're not as well known as some of the rest of us, so I need you to go in there and fuck shit up and that's usually what they did they it's kind of like an x-force almost like uh with black with ops X. yeah yeah absolutely are, um, are they still gonna have uh brad pitt as the invisible yeah yeah <laughs> the x-force yeah uh, <laughs> yes yes of course why wouldn't they um <laughs> but yeah so we we see that metamorpho and plastic man here going at it and uh you know the uh, plastic Diane is just like, I can't hold the police off forever. And metamorphos just like, you know, I was tired of tangling with rubber man. Anyway, time for, for him to chug a metamorpho cocktail down the hatch creep. And he turns into some kind of viscous liquid and just pours himself all the way down plastic man's throat and just like completely incapacitates him by like solidifying inside. It's it's, pretty gross <laughs> like the imagine having that happen it's ah, ugh, it's it's like the worst instances of of having a face hug around you from alien completely conscious for it nah. and uh at this point you know there people are shooting at superman and he's always saying he's always been a very shy man never wanting the recipients of his good deeds to know their benefactor and then he just all of a sudden hears a huge, a huge noise crumbling and ripping all at the same time. And he's just says, dear God, what have I done? And he flies right up and he stops an entire apartment building from toppling over. And it says the citizens of Metropolis have never seen Superman, a.k.a. Clark Kent, a.k.a. Kal-El, last son of Krypton. 
but they all know a hero when they see one. And people are reacting. We see Lois, incredible. Jimmy, come on, Clark, you can do it. Diana, by goddess, Clark can't take that kind of strain for long. Kyle, thinking to himself, I need to take a long vacation. Fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> then he says, to a country without an extradition agreement. <laughs> makes me think Such of Johnny Dangerously. <laughs> yeah, right? Fucking Kyle. It makes me think of Johnny Dangerously. Maroney <laughs> deported to Sweden. Claims he's not from there. <laughs> and uh, as, he's, as he's running off, uh, Batman comes at him and he's just like, you know, murder is still illegal in this city, masked man, whether the weapon is gun, knife, or magic ring. And he's like, I don't have time for you. And then Bruce Wayne just fucking knocks his lights out, just, just molly whops him. <laughs> yeah, quick, fast, and in a hurry. He guy gardenered his ass. Right? Yeah. That I mean, cold cock guy gardener was, I remember that as a child. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was. That uh, just popped up in my feed uh, today. Oh, really? It's yeah. a great moment. It was from uh, Justice League International number eight. Guy talking all that smack all the time. Not to Batman, dude. Don't do that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he sees Kyle without his mask on. He's just like, how come in real life when you unmask the bad guy, you've never seen him before? And it's like, well, because it's real life. Men in a suit that looks like a bat <laughs> as you have aliens <laughs> flying around your head. Real life indeed, sir. Uh, and Superman finishes saving the building from toppling over, and he he hovers down to the ground, and all these people are you know, with their hands up in the air, and they're smiling, and they're, they're cheering. And it says, Clark wrestles with his shyness, his face bright red with... And then he sees Lois, and he's like, Lois Lane. Yes, I've been a fan of yours for years. Clark breaks into a cold sweat as he finally realizes it's not just painful shyness that's making him feel so awful. He collapses, and Lois looks at him and says, Was it something I did? <laughs> and he responds, My name is Clark Kent. I've admired your work for some time. Don't try to talk. The ambulance is on its way. He's like, I often thought if things were different, we might have been friends. I'm sure of it. Did you get my flowers? I did. They were beautiful. And then he, you know, he dies. And I do appreciate a little bit of the uh, the symmetry to when we see the death of Superman in Superman number seventy five by Dan Jurgens. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit of a play on that same like Lois holding Superman as he as he shuffles the mortal coil. She's yep. even wearing the same color jacket. From yeah, Superman 75. Right. Um, so I, I, I found that I found that interesting. It, it was, you know, trying it was smart, I think, playing on that same like epic idea, but nobody knows who this guy is. They just saw him for the first time, and five minutes later, he's he's gone. Like, hey, thanks for saving that one building we we knew about for sure. And um, well, that's that's the end of that that dude, I suppose. Oh well, you know, and it's it's the kind of the downside of no one ever knowing that how much he had cared about everybody to the point where he he was working constantly without letting them know and that's when we see hawkwoman saying to diana like we have to go and diana lamenting clark's death immediately saying he was the best man i ever knew 
and I never told him I loved him. And Hawkwoman's just like, please, let's just go. There's, we, you know, they're both like, there's nothing here for us now. And Plastic Man is, <laughs> he's still filled with metamorpho, <laughs> trying to work his way around on his, on his hands and, and feet, uh, just like a, a round, pudgy, pointy-nosed Plastic Man. He says, I think we're finished. And then <laughs> metamorpho says, then I'm out of here. And he, he ejects himself through Plastic Man's mouth and pours himself through a storm drain into the sewers. And uh, Plastic Man kind of whimpers out, like, you sure you want to go down there? And Man Morpho's like, where else is a freak like me going to go? Like, leading to, you know, what is likely going to be kind of a weird, miserable existence for Metamorpho for a while. And uh, we see that Barry was, in fact, killed. Not Barry. Wally was, in fact, killed by that blast from Green Lantern's ring. And, uh, you know, the cops show up and... and uh, Barry introduces himself as Detective Allen with Keystone PD. So it wasn't Central City. My apologies. It was Keystone. Uh, and the cops just like, that cuts no ice in this town. But, you know, thanks either way. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Way, way to be, bud. Fucking real nice. Get and, off uh, my we, beat. <laughs> yeah, this is my call, you jerk face. And we cut back to the Phantom Zone and we see. Uh, we see, I can't remember the guy's name, Cal, Cal, blah, 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 blah. the newest member of like Pellegrini or something. Yeah. We'll call him Ray. <laughs> he's, you know, he's, he's there playing chess with John Jones. And, uh, you know, he's, he's like, you know, calm down with the game. You learn. It takes time and patience. And the guy's like, well, I got plenty of time. So that'll be fun. And, you know, John just assures him, we're happy to have you here. And, you know, the guy's just like, well, I don't really have a choice, but thank you for letting me come to my own decision on how I was going to, I was going to, you know, approach being here. And uh, John's just like, you know, we practice what we preach. And the guy right away is just like, well, maybe I can contribute by being a cook. You know, he's already trying to think of ways that he can be a, a, a functioning member of this community and society that they've started a, a society that's been kept secret from the rest of the world because they're in the phantom zone, almost like a secret society. <gasps> oh my God. The title has two meanings. I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, he says, I, I did five years at San Quentin and learned how to make a serious enchilada <laughs> to which John replies. And I got a kick out of him. He goes, I love a good enchilada, just not too hot. <laughs> Uh, Martian Manhunter's <laughs> vulnerability is to fire. So, yeah, uh, that's cool. And, uh, you know, he's just like, oh, speaking of hot, you guys uh, grow any tobacco? <laughs> well, we'll have to talk about that. I'm guessing the answer is no. And, yeah, because uh, he doesn't want any more uh, matches. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with that flint and steel? Nothing, Mr. Jones. And we see Lois talking on a on a you know a portable phone, and she's just like, "Oh, he left the window open again." And, oh, sorry. When did you leave? Five minutes ago. Oh, why didn't you let me know? Well, I'll sorry. You were in the shower. I'll, I'll I'll make sure to let you know in the future. And she's like, "Okay, well, just remember to bring home milk. I'll I'll see you when you get home. I love you." And you know that's when we uh, we see Metropolis and. It's the the city, the skyscape close up, and 
than an alley where two young fellows are accosting a young woman and uh just as they think that they're going to be able to get away with whatever the kind of shit they're trying to pull is uh batman swoops down and they're like it's the bat guy from the news <laughs> and uh like my res- my reputation precedes me like your reputation's about to get blown away with the rest of you i don't think so and then he proceeds to kick the shit out of him and uh then the woman she picks up one of the guns that was dropped and you know she says stay right where you are <laughs> and he he res- batman responds if i do that who's going to pick up these groceries why don't you call the police miss my name's robin well robin tell the police where they can find these two and i'll walk you home and uh it is interesting to note that she is wearing like a sort of yellowish dress with a red overshirt. Yep. So she is matching the colors of Robin the Boy Wonder as we know him from regular continuity in DC Comics. Bat uh, so guy and Robin. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bat guy and in, in, in that Robin lady. And also uh, Carrie from uh, The Dark Knight Returns. That is true, too. Yes, indeed. I think they were going more for regular continuity comparison, but absolutely. Um, and then we see we see a woman who is looking at the news and the Daily Planet. Like She's watching a news program, looks at Daily Planet, which has a photo of Batman saying, who is the Batman? Which I've explained numerous times already. He is... <laughs> a strong gentleman who fights crime nocturnally and uh she's she's saying to herself a psycho in a bat suit's getting all this attention and this kitten just might make a killing and that's like oh it's selena kyle that's great she's gonna she's gonna become a, a factor in whatever this world is um which would be, it's very interesting to you know be it would be very interesting to see how that triangle works out between Bruce, Selena, and Lois. Uh, and we we come we come to Bart and Barry in front of the Allen household, and they give Bart a yellow VW Bug, and the kids freaking out and over the moon, and you know his mom's like, you know, did he like it? And he's like, he loved it. Like I knew he would. Where is he? He'll be right back. He needed to run an errand. The car is still sitting in the driveway <laughs> behind Barry's head when he says it. And uh, that's when we see Bruce Wayne in full bat regalia, sans cowl, because it's pulled down around his neck. And they are they are at the table of the cryptic order's sanctum. And this is the same area where they condemned people to the Phantom Zone itself. And Bruce is saying, I, I had no idea just how big this place is. You sure you don't mind me using it for my headquarters? To which Bart is just like, yeah, knock yourself out. It'd be a shame to see all this go to waste. Maybe you can keep Superman's dream alive and your father's dream too. That why you changed your costume. He's wearing Wally's red Flash costume now. And he says, is that to keep Wally's dream alive? And he's it's, it was the right thing to do to honor Wally's memory. And we're both agreed. This is the right thing to do. Absolutely. And that's when we see that they're sitting in front of the controls for the phantom zone. 
and there are three buttons that are labeled. One says open, one says send, and one says closed. And then we see Bart's red gloved finger go to the open button and says, the dreams are good, but we can do better. And that's how it ends. I love that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, quite, quite the world that they've created here. Uh, Superman was most certainly a, a huge influence, but an unseen one uh, navigating certain events and making sure that people were safe, but without them ever being aware of it. And the end result is, of course, exposure and people being made aware of some really strange and wonderful things that could also be equal parts terrifying considering the lack of presence that those particular figures had had in larger known society, you know, to, to go from zero to a hundred like that in no time flat, that that would be quite the shock for culture across the board. Um, and not only do we have that and have a new actual superhero, you know, a man who dresses as a bat to fight crime, but this young boy who is one of the only superpower people we know who is actively and clearly publicly trying to, to be a crime fighter as well. Um, they are now going to reopen the gate to let everybody who's been away for over three decades back into the world. How does the world accept that and what repercussions will that have going forward? You can choose your own adventure at that point. That's, you know, one of the best things about stories that end like this on, on both like what ifs and else worlds, you can just create your own thing from that point. You're not, you're not wrong. You're not, you know what I mean? Any, anything is, is good. So, you know, I, I, I would, I would, you know, this is one of those things like imagine a follow-up like a few years later, like what is, what is the end result of this or what is the continuing result of this? Uh, we don't get that too often with stories like this. Um, one of the better examples of actually getting a story like that would be the Elseworld uh, Superman Last Son of Earth, which was followed up with the sequel Superman Last Stand on Krypton. You know, or the Kingdom, which followed uh, Kingdom Come. That is true, yeah. Which also introduced the idea of hyperspace. So, eh. <laughs> hypertime, hypertime. Sorry, not hyperspace, hypertime. You also have the Earth One series where they just expanded that into a bunch yeah. of books true yeah that is that is very true um you know i mean th there's there's any number of things that marvel beat a lot of stuff to, i mean look at marvel zombies it's like geez you're on like six or something it's like okay calm down yeah. <laughs> i mean I, I still think one of the like sort of the same idea of this with like having superman batman who've been around since quote the golden age or what have you and had legacy and moving forward is the the series earth 2 that was started during the new 52 at DC. They made several series out of it. They did it like chapters or volumes. And uh, it was definitely one of the better things to come out of that entire like rebranding. Uh, honestly, like to have a full blown alternate reality series taking place for as long as it did and breaking up the way that they had, uh, it falls right in line with like something as fantastic as exiles from Marvel. You know, you get a good long run of that, which is really solid. And then like a certain point where it's just not, 
um earth 2 really reaches a point where it's like okay this is this is the end of the story and some very cool ideas one of which i feel was directly taken from stan lee when he did just imagine for dc comics because his version of green lantern was somebody who was chosen by the world tree yggdrasil from norse mythology to be a representation of the guardian of life mm-hmm. all life on the planet and in the power of life was was green on that spectrum and that he was he was given the ability to control that and that is precisely what happens with Alan Scott in Earth 2. He is And who was the harbinger of death in that? Solomon Grundy, baby. Oh yeah, about the scariest version you'll ever see of Solomon Grundy. Yeah, they took some really cool ideas that have been started in Vertigo with uh, Animal Man and Swamp Thing. Yes, yeah. And they they plugged it into Earth 2 and it's not just the red and the green, but also was it the gray? And that's what that was like the rot. That's what yep, Solomon rot, Grundy yeah. was. Oh man, he is he is harrowing. He's in he's cold and undying and brutal. Just yeah, he, he was like a mini Necron kind of. It, it, he was he was brutal. Yeah, and I mean uh, it was it was cool because like the first time you see him, he's fighting a uh, Hawk Woman, you know, and um. Yeah, that's it was yeah. it was a uh, harrowing as you say. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, one of the things that I I find interesting while while I was reading this is, you know, when we look at it through I've I've read this years ago too, but looking at it through the prism of of, you know, 40-year-old me uh in some of the stuff that we see with media involving some of these characters that either have come out or are going to be coming out, uh one of the biggest issues no pun intended. I know we're talking about comics, uh, but one of the biggest uh, problems to overcome is the Justice Society of America as the the prototypical Justice League. You know, they were the originators. They they were the first large group of super super powered heroes that wanted to help for the betterment of society. It's great to say that they existed to bring them in like post crisis in 1986 and say like, Hey, the justice society was a thing. And then Superman shows up at this point in time. And then that's that the justice society's presence actually completely undercuts how big a deal Superman being forthright with, you know, him himself, the, the big red Cape and the big red S and everything, because when he reveals himself at that point, it wouldn't be a big deal. All things being equal because people have seen that kind of thing before, you know, it's like, Oh, they, they all kind of went away after like the fifties, but Hey, this isn't like exactly, you know, re, you know, inventing fire. We, we, we've, we've come across this before this, this is the same wheel just on a, on a different vehicle. Uh, I think if they do want to have, the justice society involved in anything with either DC comics or DC studios, it can be done. This right here is actually a pretty decent, like blueprint for how to do that. Uh, I'm not saying like, you know, Amazonium or anything like that necessarily, but the idea that they were a group of super powered individuals that came together to fight for 
the protection and betterment of society, but would do it in a clandestine way. So they were they did have their code names and they did have some some costumes and their reasoning for having the costumes would be like, who would believe that they saw someone in a you know a, a bright red, yellow, and green costume jumping around on rooftops with fair and play on their friggin' their friggin' jacket? No one. You know, like, oh, so you, you mean to tell me there was a, a guy wearing dark ass goggles in the middle of the night and he was able to kick everybody's <laughs> ass no problem yeah sounds right to me pal but like that kind of that goofiness that gaudiness actually would work to their advantage because you know it's no one would believe it when they told them the few instances where they were actually seen i think you could play that up and still have it be part of dc history like i said both in the comics and like what they might be doing moving forward with the, the films once they have that reset. Um, I just don't think that they should be ignored as characters and as a presence. And the only way to reasonably do it is to, to say like, Oh yeah, they were around and the government knew about them, but they kept to themselves because they understood like more people might've been whipped into a frenzy than would have been comforted by the knowledge that they existed just with the sheer power that some of them had. Sounds like uh, Legends of Tomorrow a little bit. Well, also yeah. in uh, in Black Adam, you know, it's uh, they they played it up like the superheroes pretty much always been there. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing is, I mean, your two big ones coming out of the gate, like insofar as public perception within the, the this world, like these worlds, DC, you know, should be Superman followed closely by Batman. I would think Wonder Woman, you know, if you're looking for a symbol. Oh, oh, oh abs- absolutely. Like it but just talking about if we're going in chronological order, it would be Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. And you have your trinity, bing bang and boom. And everything else should fall into place. Like Superman's revelation of himself to the world at large should be equal parts joyful and a little unsettling because people would be in literal awe. Like they had never seen anything like this before. And what makes the difference is that Superman doesn't cover his face and he's seemingly very open and, and he's, he's personable and he makes people feel at ease just by the simple virtue of actually being himself. And that is not to make the argument that, like, oh, Superman is really who he is and Clark Kent's the disguise. No, no, no. Yeah, I, Kent, I never thought that was the case. Yeah. You know? Clark Kent is who he is. Superman is the, the morals and caring that were provided as examples from Jonathan and Martha Kent given superpowers. That's, that's what it is. It's all the lessons that Clark had been taught by the people who raised him and using these gifts to enact those same things that he had been taught, like help other people don't make decisions for them, help them make the right decisions. And it's not up to you what the right decision for them is, but you need to help them get to it. Things like that. That's what Superman does. That's what Clark Kent does. He, he is a person who cares and he has the ability to use these talents to do more than others. But his, his baseline is always, I can, 
you know, I can lift airplanes, I can move buildings, but I'm still no better than anybody else out here because we all have the power to change things, especially when we work together. And it's that unifying personality that is a big deal for all of the superheroes that are supposed to come after him. He is supposed to be an inspiration, not just to the public at large, but the rest of the superheroes that come after him. And if you have a justice society that was front and center and everyone was aware of them, it kind of negates that. Unless you merge realities with a crisis on infinite earths. I mean, that's, I would, I would that's kind of how everything got messed up in the first place. In the first place, yeah. I would rather not see that. You know, everybody keeps talking about like a crisis thing happening for like the DC Studios. No. Man. I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I think anybody we'll Flashpoint be- before we get that. I mean, I mean, I but- I could even see us getting Blackest Night, but I, I don't see a crisis happening cuz they they did it. Yeah. I don't see Kingdom Come happening anytime soon either. I really don't. I I think that's going to be the that's going to be the dark horse that uh he's he's pulling out. I think that that's what they're going to do. They're going to find a way to do a young Superman and an old Superman at the same time. I think I don't, I don't believe that. Cause I think that kind of falls into the same territory that there was an issue with regarding the movies that came out previously. You know, let's uh, let's focus our Superman on being the, you know, the character that we've known for 85 years, you know, generally speaking. You know, we are very well aware of Kingdom Come as a story and, and mm-hmm. Superman's characterization within it. I do think it would be, for lack of a better term, confusing for general audiences who are not that well versed in these different types of stories to show this like hopeful, caring, I, I want to help everybody, you know, I care for humanity, Superman to an older no everyone can go pound sand i don't give a flying fuck about any of you superman uh i think that would be a little jarring so i I think the focus is probably going to be on creating that that hopeful joyful character that we really should have gotten several years ago you know you can you can have a character that's hopeful and joyful and still make them complex you just can't be lazy about it do you, did you find Brandon Routh's character in Superman Returns to have those qualities? I I think Brandon Routh almost had those qualities. As a performer, I do think Brandon Routh had the had the presence and charm to do it. He as a as a fairly green actor though, and in, in stepping into a huge production directed by Brian Singer and starring Kevin Spacey. Uh, he showed up. The in, ultimate evil. <laughs> he, he showed up and did as he was directed, you know. And for what he was given to do, I think he did it very well. And I that was, I think, proven that he was a good choice for the role when we saw the the Else Worlds uh, or Crisis, rather Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover that they did on uh, the CW between all the yeah, I, shows. I loved him in that absolutely. Yeah, he 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 finally got to play the role in the way that he should have been able to without being encumbered with Christopher Reeve's portrayal uh and and having everything kind of get muddled in the process and you know people's ages and having Superman be like a bit of a deadbeat dad and you know th- these are things that that fly in the face of who the character is mm-hmm. uh, you know but I, I think I think there's room for 
you know, if you look at extremes and you look at Christopher Reeve as like the the shining example of Silver Age Superman, and then you look at at Henry Cavill in like Man of Steel and Batman v Superman as like the sort of nihilistic Ayn Rand version of Superman, there is a place that falls more towards the middle, but I think a little bit leaning towards Christopher Reeve's version. That is the sweet spot. You know, you want, if you want to have Superman be a badass in a movie, then look no further than like the, the action comics, seven, blah, 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 whatever it was. Um, Superman versus the elite. You know, this, this character that we see here in this else world, you know, there is like, the same grit that we see in that tale where he's going up against a, a group of quote modern heroes that are very much like ask, you know, by any means necessary shoot now, ask questions later. Yep. And the appearance of it is that the only way Superman is going to be able to do anything about it is by actually like killing them, taking them out one by one. And systematically in the comic book story and the, the animated cart movie that they made based on, just this like one issue of action comics, Superman takes every single member of the elite out and it's like Superman finally snapped. He is, he is, he is wrecking each one of these people. And when you finally get to the end of it, you realize Superman actually did not kill a single one of them. He completely incapacitated them, proving to them that he will never Cross the line that they thought they were pushing him towards yep. because there's always a better choice. And that's the kind of thing that we need to see. There's always a better choice. We don't need to see a Superman who snaps necks and is conflicted about whether or not he should actually fucking help people. Oh, I agree. hundred percent. And I, I mean, I, I felt that way as soon as the end of the man of man of steel. And I'm like, what just happened? You know, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's bonkers, but you know it, that's that's the thing with with this portrayal here is he is still very much a, a a Superman, a Clark Kent who is not confused about helping people. He his whole life has been dedicated to exactly that. He just he didn't want people to know it was him doing it. He 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 didn't want the accolades. He just wanted people to be okay. And at the end of the day no matter what version of Superman you're doing that's not Injustice Superman, that's what he wants. He wants everyone to be okay. Yeah, he was just grown up with different morals. And and like the Superman we know, knew, or know, um, you know, he, he lived by the morals from his parents, you know, and this is just the same iteration, just yeah. different morals. Same, same morals, but what it is, it's the same morals, just a, a different example. Yeah, that yeah. that he lived by, you know, because who's to say that in the the continuity now that Jonathan Kent wasn't a Freemason? You know, it's just there was a there was a different a different path set before Clark. Like, okay, no, I I want to I want to do things to help people, and you know, Jonathan and Martha's whole thing was like, oh, okay, but not right now because you're friggin' thirteen. Put on these glasses. <laughs> Go to school. You know, these these cut the, the blue color of your eyes. People will stop asking so many questions, <laughs> you know, which is actually something I really hope to see, too, because, like, I want Superman to have, like, 
super blue eyes when he is in his Superman persona, like the actual solar energy is like radiating somewhat. He can kind of control that to help obfuscate him. But then when he wears glasses, they should have a slight tint to them to cut the color of his eyes and, and further push people away from making any kind of connection between the two. I have lots of ideas that no one will ever fucking use or listen to, <laughs> but um, I mean, at least I'm not suggesting that they sell the fucking Snyderverse and Netflix. So I got that going for me. <laughs> yeah. <Pretty> nice. <laughs> Cause you know, my mother didn't fucking feed me paint chips or drop me on the head too often when I was a baby. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying it didn't happen often. <laughs> uh, and with that, uh, we, we give you the, the second book, uh, closing out the JLA Secret Society of Superheroes Elseworld. Uh, I, I assume that you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. 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 I, I, it's, it's a good story. It's, it's a very different take from Howard Chaikin. And, um, I don't, I don't think I've ever read anything that was uh, this subdued from him ever. You know, usually it's like some sort of like jingoistic gun toting sort of, you know, uh, anti-establishment or sort of like weird thing. You're like, because he writes American flag or, yeah. or or something else like that. It's like so different for his stuff, but it's well crafted. It's put together. It has like those notes of foreshadowing and all that. There's definitely plot holes. There's definitely like I could go through here and pull like six or seven things out. My, my big gripe is I'm still confused by his his issue with Lois. But it doesn't matter because he's dead. So it's like, like, what yeah. were his intentions? Were they romantic? Because I'm not entirely sure that they were not. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's up to subjective uh, reasoning. I no, suppose I, I can I completely see where you're coming from with that. And you know, this is a little bit of like editorialization on my part. Like I was saying, like, I kind of throughout both parts of this, I got the sense that he was like a very like aside from what he did here in the cryptic order, he was a very lonely, melancholy man. I mean, his, his whole life was a fortress of solitude. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, this was what he had. This, this, these people were what he had, who he could be really be himself around. Um, and Lois, he likely first took notice of her because of her work. And then saw how she was, who she was, how she acted, how she spoke. And he became enamored of her. And because of that terrible shyness, which they mentioned numerous times throughout both portions of this story, uh, he, he always just, you know, admired her from afar. Like you had said, Leo. Um, and for him, that was, that was as close as he would let himself get to anybody else because how would he start a relationship with somebody? How would he explain what it is, he disappears to do without telling them all about the cryptic order. That's a whole different thing than saying, Oh, I'm, I'm actually Superman Lois, you know, uh, especially considering that, you know, there are lots of legal ramifications and you do say like, Oh, Haro Chaikin usually does like a bit more like jingoistic, even somewhat semi nihilistic stuff. I yep. mean that this is very authoritarian because they themselves, they appoint, their group judge jury and executioner very true yeah so i I feel, I feel like it still falls right in line with the type of stories that howard chaikin likes to tell which is which is fine um because i appreciate the fact that even though he made superman like a bit of an authoritarian figure he wasn't evil 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's it's hard to say that any of these characters are really evil, except for maybe that guy that was killing people with his car in the beginning, you know? Maybe the Riddler, too, you know, and, and Joker and all them. But even, like, Green Lantern, he was self-interested. But was he evil? No, he was at conflict with the with the hero of the story. Yeah, I mean, he was very self-involved. But, yeah. I mean, he he did... He maybe the also, Adam, actually. I don't know. He was yeah, kind of, the Adam's kind of a piece of shit. But, yeah. I mean, Kyle is a murderer by, yeah. by the end of this, for sure. Well, I mean, he, he made... Like, he didn't try to kill the Flash, but he did try to kill... Uh, Barry, so maybe you're right, or not Barry, uh, Bart. So. Bart, yeah. I mean, he tried to kill a 14 year old kid, and oh, Wally you have kids? Because trust me, yeah, <laughs> that impulse, literally, pun intended. Yeah. And, and, and that's every, the thing, like Wally, minutes. Wally had just the connection of speed with this kid. There was no relation between them in this other than that. Yeah, and he still jumped to protect that kid, which goes to show that. Even in you know a world like this that you know shouldn't exist, there's still like that that kernel, that seed deep down in some of these individuals that has that marked propensity towards altruism and, and protection. You know, he 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 could have just as easily not done that. Sure. You know, and instead he sacrificed himself because he just knew instinctively that he you know Kyle was about to kill a child and somebody needed to stop it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't you don't see you don't even see the Adam or Plastic Man come close to doing anything like that. You know, granted the Adam meets a very squishy soulful end. <laughs> That's nice. a shoe joke. <laughs> But um, night <laughs> ah, <laughs> of the rim shot. Uh, but yeah, it it was. The, I mean, like like I said, there's just so much in here, and the fact that they're both continuing legacies at the end of this. You know, this isn't Batman being born of Bruce Wayne's, you know, obsession and and desire to mete out justice because of the death of his father. It's needing to do that but realizing his father already did fight for for the common man and he's taking over the mantle from him and becoming quote the new batman for all intents and purposes and bart taking up the mantle of the flash to honor uh wally that i mean neither one of these two characters that we see at the end of this book are you know, in this world, the first. That's that's a generational legacy thing. And like to set all that up, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. You know, somebody fucking call Howard Chagan and tell him to make a goddamn sequel right now. <laughs> He's like 94, dude. So sounds like he has a yeah. little bit of time. I mean, what else is he doing? <laughs> yeah. So Leo, I mean, what'd you what'd you think, bud? No, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it as well, and it's uh like he's like all else worlds, you know, totally different take. But it's uh you know, you were just talking about you know uh, the two people left remaining are uh, you know they they weren't the first, and kind of like you look at generations now, you know, each generation trying to do better than than the last. Same thing, like you know, I I love that last phrase, you know. 
uh, you know, uh, we can follow the dream, but we can do better. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no better disinfectant than sunlight, right? Yep. And what they were doing was hiding in the shadows and to bring themselves forward and say like, Hey, we're here and we want to help. We're not, we're not going to do anything to harm you. We're going to protect you from the people that want to do you harm. You know, even with wearing masks, you're still a presence that people are aware of and they can make up their own mind whether or not you're good or bad. But that's exactly the point is people should have that knowledge and choice and they were deprived that through what, 40, 50 years. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. It, It'd be interesting to see if uh, this earth was continued on in uh, any additional storyline. Like uh, they just did, um, uh, what was the latest crisis? Geez, convergence it could have been. Like that, like, I don't the know. I mean, diversity. Yeah. Uh, the, the crisis that like just finished, like dark crisis. Oh, dark crisis. Yeah, dark crisis. Uh, I know there was an issue with that where they, they just did a splash page of like a ton of different multiverses. Um, so I wonder if maybe it'd be about the fourth time they've done that because I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> they yeah. kind of, you know, or, or even this could have even shown up in metal or death metal, you know, with, with the Batman from there. So you, you never know. Yeah. I mean, interesting to know too, that this Batman is probably learning quite a bit on the fly too. Like he has his, his FBI training, but this is not the same Bruce Wayne that disappeared for seven years to receive training from the greatest martial arts artists and, and, you know, uh, uh, escape oh artists, yeah. escape artists yep. and detectives and, um, magician, you know, all the different people that he studied under for over the course of the better part of a decade. Um, we don't, we don't have that in this Bruce Wayne. So he's going to have to really like knuckle down and kind of figure out what he's going to do. And, you know, we were talking about escalation earlier, you know, these, these people popped up as criminals without there being a Batman. Yep. What happens now? And well, especially the fact that he operates out of Metropolis, not Gotham. You gotta think that, you know, we don't know what, um, what Alfred taught him. Uh, but he, he's obviously not starting from ground zero. Cause if you look at, you know, Batman year one, you know, he, he had trouble, you know, uh, uh, jumping off buildings and and there was a couple times where he fell and 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 whatnot so um yeah i i, I was gonna bring that up but i knew you didn't want to focus too much on that. and he and he so. uses guns as a fbi agent so who's yeah. to say this isn't going to be like your you know silver knight uh purple gloved batman you know yeah yeah true yeah this is a detective number 27 right here yeah <laughs> or cool. or the post apocalypse apocalyptic batman from uh uh from your favorite director there oh, yeah, no, yeah. i have Snyder. no problem with him <laughs> as a person okay i don't even have a problem with how what his filmic style is it's the fucking people that can't, yeah. yeah they can't fucking uh, you know accept anything other than it's like no oh they haven't been dc fans long then have they <laughs> I don't really think that they're DC fans. I think that they're Snyder fans and there's a big difference, you know, just admit that you like his movies and not so much the, the world that these characters were pulled from and then changed dramatically, you know, yeah. but anyway, so uh, yeah, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it. 
and uh, we can we can wrap it up. We we just hit uh, you know the two hour mark here, and I'm sure people are are just champing at the bit to go find a copy of this book for themselves. Yeah. So uh, let's let's close it out. We'll start off uh, with me here. Hi everyone. I'm Brandon again. You know you've been listening to Comics Paradox. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, you can check me out on Twitter at Brandon's Powers uh, and on Instagram at this Brandon has powers. Uh, we also have uh, Comics Paradox Instagram. It's uh, Comics Paradox Podcast, as well as uh, Twitter for that, which is Comics underscore Paradox. Um, those are kind of being constructed on Twitter. The So, you know, there's not a lot there right now, but, you know, keep your eyes on that space. Uh, you want to come over to Facebook and check out the Powers Combined group. Uh, we're just a group of individuals that like to get together and share info, news, memes, good times, and laughs to be had by all. Uh, you can you can check this out uh, as well as the Dork Knight Batman podcast that three of us do uh, week to week. We switch off on Sundays, and you can find those wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. And uh, let's go over to Mr. Leo. Oh, uh, you know, uh, I should just record the one you did you know, the, <laughs> the last week, Brandon, because you did it superb. But yeah, uh, you know, my name, my name's Leo. I'm uh, sometimes a monkey behind the keyboard. And uh, yeah, I run the Dorkening Podcast Network. We got a ton of awesome people on the network. There's, you know, a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. Head on over to the dorkening.com and you can find all the inf- information there. And uh, yeah, like Brandon said, you know, Dork Night and Splash Pages and and this awesome podcast as well. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Yep. Oh, uh, and also I forgot to mention that we do the Wednesday night mid uh, midweek geeks show at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we 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 live stream that uh, every week. So, you know, check that out. And with that, I would like to go to our friend, Mr. Justin Cooper. Justin, what's happened with you, buddy? I like Batman. I like turtles. So, you know, there's podcasts. Like <laughs> you can check me out. Uh, Epic, Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast, epictalesfromthesewers.com. You could check out um, the podcast that we do here in the Dorkening. Check out our Facebook group, the uh, Epic Shells Facebook group, all turtles all the time. It's a nice, positive place to go. Uh, and, and with that, you know, be sure to check out our other fine shows on the Dorkening. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, guys. And uh, everyone, thank you for listening. And we'll we'll catch you on the next episode. Have a good one. Bye. 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 Goodbye now. Bye. <laughs>